but it's Easter. Let's get the sound levels right. Are we okay? Good. Let's all stand, shall we? Come, Holy Spirit. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, they bowed down to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Then they remembered his words. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He said. You know, uh, Christians typically wear a little cross around their neck, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But a friend of mine, a minister in the city, Trevor Withers from Network Church, he started to wearing a little stone around his neck, because quite frankly, we're a people, not of the cross, we're a people of the resurrection. So it's my, my great pleasure to be finishing off this series, Famous Last Words, uh, on this Easter morning. And uh, really, you know, those famous last words have been uh, tripped out every week, and uh, they were all words spoken by Jesus on the cross. And of course, we've, we've also recollected one or two other famous last words. I came across this one. This was by uh, General John Sedgwick, who died in battle. And his famous last words were, they couldn't hit an elephant at that. Ooh. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, Jesus is alive. That's, that's what we believe, that Jesus rose from the dead. And, uh, and I really want to ask the question and perhaps spend the next 20 minutes hopefully answering this at least to some degree. And it begs the question, so what? So what? What does that mean? What does that mean in the 21st century? What does that mean for us today? Jesus is alive. Good news for Jesus. How is it good news for us? Well, I'm going to go back to the cross and to uh, some more words of Jesus there. And this is from Luke chapter 23, verses 38 to 43. It says this, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out to be executed. And there was a written notice above them which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. This, we are under the same sentence. We are punished ju justly. We are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when I come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. And I want to ask the question, ask it of all of us, ask it again of myself, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is he to you? 
You know, on that cross, we, we, we saw one or two responses. First of all, there was the arrogant criminal, the unrepentant criminal, the, 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 the criminal full of bitterness. He, he had the energy, even though he was dying the same death as the Savior, he had the energy in that moment to, to spit insults at Jesus. He said, you're the, you're the Messiah, call yourself a Messiah, call yourself a Savior, save yourself and us. He was mocking him from the cross. He was joining those who were gathered around the foot of the cross, baying like dogs. But then the other criminal, the other one, something else was going on in him. And he said, he said to his friend, his companion, he said, don't you fear God? Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting our just deserves. But this man has done nothing wrong. What do you make of Jesus? A historical figure? Nobody, nobody in their right mind denies that Jesus is a historical figure. It's clear from so many, many different sources We've even got the original kind of crucifixion, uh, accounts of the uh, crucifixion by Josephus. It, It was extraordinary. There's no doubt that Jesus lived. But we as followers of Jesus believe that Jesus is alive. And if he is a savior, if he is who he says he is, do you know your need of him? Do you know that? One of those things that strikes me about this conversation on the cross is that that one of the criminals had the foresight, the insight, the revelation, if you like, to believe that Jesus was an innocent man. He was innocent. And as I studied the scriptures this week, I was struck by how many of Jesus' accusers, his enemies, knew that he was innocent. For example, Judas, his betrayer, actually was filled with remorse, went back to the chief priest, gave them the 30 pieces of silver which he'd sold Jesus for, and he said, I have betrayed innocent blood. His own betrayer said, I have betrayed innocent blood. Pilate's wife, the Roman governor's wife, had a terrible night, full of nightmares, night terrors, and in great anxiety, went to see her husband, even though he was busy about the affairs of the state. And, he, and, she, and she burst into the room and said, Pilate, don't have anything to do with that man. He is an innocent man, Matthew 27. Pilate himself, when he had questioned Jesus, when confronted by the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court, when confronted by the mob even, said, I find no fault in him. What do you want me to do with him? He says, nothing. This man is an innocent man. Three witnesses, there's still more. Herod, Pilate thought he could kind of wash his hands of it. So he passed him on to the state governor, who was a a, a kind of puppet governor, Herod. Herod interviewed him and sent him back to Pilate, saying, why are we wasting our time on this, my brother Pilate? This is an innocent man. And then finally, as we've already heard, the thief on the cross says, he's done nothing wrong. Now all of this... As Dennis and myself and and Rick have have helped and hopefully hopefully helped you understand, was actually part of the prophecies about Jesus. It says in Isaiah 53 that Jesus would go like a lamb to the slaughter, an innocent lamb dying for us, an innocent man dying for me. So is Jesus your Savior? Do you know your need of him? 
Well, I have a confession to make here. A lot of the time, I don't know my, my need of Jesus. You know, I'm busy about the work of the kingdom. I'm busy about the work of the church. I'm busy trying to do good works, and many of us are doing that. And actually, when, when really shove comes to push, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I'm not convinced of my, of my sin. I, I'm hoping that, you know, when, when all is said and done, you know, that my, my good works here on earth will, 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 you know, go ahead of me and that it'll win me a place in heaven. And, and that's so easy to, to kind of fall into that. When you, when you ask somebody, a friend, a, a, not a follower of Jesus, a man on the street, you know, what would you think it would take to get you into heaven? I would almost lay money I would lay money on them coming back to you and saying, well, live a good life. Live a good life. It ain't going to be good enough. So how about you? How about you? Where are you? Do you know your need of forgiveness? Do you know your need of a savior? Some of you, yes, you do. Bless your hearts. But many of us, we're still actually secretly trying to live a good life so that God welcomes us home. Let me just sort of try something here. How many of you have ever told a lie? Put your hand up if you've ever told a lie. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, for those of you on the podcast, I think I'm in a den of liars here. And the ones of you who didn't put your hand up, you're telling a lie, so there we are, we're all in it. Okay. How many of you have ever stolen anything? Let's see. Put your hand up if you've stolen something. Think for a minute. Oh, not so many hands have gone up. So the rest of you who didn't put your hands up, you're all tithing then, are you? Because the Bible says if we're not tithing, we're stealing from God. You know, I've stolen things. I, I've lied. In fact, you know, I lied recently. It I, I really, really bothered me. Fliss doesn't even know this, so she's, gonna, she's already looking... Uh, <laughs> She's looking, oh my goodness, she's, she's bristling in a bustle, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I put something on eBay and I said in the eBay listing, I said, um, uh, you know, at the end of the eBay listing, many people do this, say, please note that this is advertised locally. And I meant to put a little card on our, on our community board here, just in case there was a member of the community, the church faith community here that would want to buy it rather than be selling it on eBay. Now, I forgot to do that. And then suddenly, one of the guys who is uh, buying this or interested in buying it sends me this little email message, where is it advertised? And I panicked, and I said, at the newsagents. <laughs> I, I hadn't even got around to putting it on the community board, and I just felt guilt. And I put, at the newsagents. And, it, and I mean, it did, it, it's not going to change the course of history, I don't think. But, but, you know, I was ashamed. I was ashamed because I realized that in a panic, I'll tell a lie. I didn't think I would, but the Lord used that to show me that given the right or the wrong circumstances, whichever way you care to look at it, I'll still tell a lie. I've still got that liar in me. You know, I remember as a, as a teenager stealing something uh, in a shop, shoplifting, because all my peers were doing it. I felt so ashamed I had to take it back. And I'll never forget taking it into the shop. And, and this time I, 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 I was spotted as, I, was, as I, I, I realized that somebody was kind of stalking me around the aisles. And then I thought, there's nothing else for it. I'm just going to have to go for it. And I took out of my pocket this thing I'd stolen and I put it back on the shelf. And you should have seen the face of this store detective. Because, like, excuse me, uh, wait a minute. 
He's restocking the shelves. He's, uh, uh, um, uh, he, uh, suddenly, his whole reason of this, the right way we had a job was suddenly meaningless. But, but you know, I know what it is to be a thief. So we're liars here. We're thieves here. And how many of you have ever put something or someone else before God? I know I have. Put your hands up. Yeah, bless you. Another forest as hands go up. So here we are, lovely, nice people, all bright, shiny people with lovely Easter smiles on. But actually, we're a bunch of lying, thieving idolaters. Well, that's good news for Easter, isn't it? Yeah. Gosh, aren't you glad you came to church this morning? You know, the truth of the matter is that, that actually we are all in trouble. The Bible says this about us. It says this, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin. There, there is a pay packet coming. And that pay packet is called death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Death could not hold him. He hadn't earned his wages. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus had not sinned. He had not, you know, if death is the wage for sin, he was, he was, he, he died, but he, death could not hold him because he hadn't earned his wages. That's part of the story. But Jesus, on the third day, rose from the, the dead. And then we get back to this, Jesus' response to this thieving, lying idolater, you and me, this thief on the cross. And what does Jesus say? He says this. He says, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. You know, I have read that so many times, but this Easter I've seen new truth in it. And whenever I've read it, I've always been kind of still considering those two thieves. I've, all, all, I've, I've read that little throwaway line of Jesus's from the cross, and I'm, and I'm distracted, I'm preoccupied with the arrogant response of the unrepentant thief. And I'm moved and, uh, and touched by the, this dying man appealing to Jesus. Appealing that, that Jesus would but remember him when he gets into, Paris, uh, into paradise. And what is Jesus' response in this? He says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Now think about this, folks. I got this maybe for the first time this week. This thief was on a cross. In about two hours' time, the Roman soldiers were going to come with a great big mallet. I should have looked up the name. It had a particular word. At that point, they would break the crucified man's legs. Because until they did that, they did this thing that many have called the dance of death. I was talking about it last a couple of weeks ago. Where they would heave themselves up on, the, on their feet in order that they could breathe. But the pain was so excruciating on their feet that they would drop back and hang from their hands. But unfortunately, in that position, they couldn't breathe. So they would heave themselves up again. So there was this grotesque dance of death going on. Up, down, up, down, up, down for as long as it took. But very often, the Roman soldiers would come with this great big mallet and break their shins. So they hung, and the end came rather more quickly. That was what this, this thief's future held. And yet Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. This thief could not go to church and get baptized next Sunday. This thief could not join the feed project this thief could not go to a life group. 
This thief could not give his tithes or his service. This thief could not help on the refreshment team. This thief could not join Ventureland. This thief could not lobby MPs on behalf of the poor. There was nothing he could do to earn his salvation but die. And Jesus said to him, not, oh, it's too late, Chuck, I'm sorry. I'm not into these deathbed confessions, sorry. What this Jesus, our Savior, who is alive, said to him and says to us, was I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, I can tease you, and there is truth in the teasing that we're lying, thieving idolaters. I can tease you with that without, I hope, causing quite so much offense. When I tell you this, that your salvation, your place in heaven, your place around that great table of the Lamb is not dependent upon your good works, but upon the gift of eternal life which Jesus has won for us and bestows upon us. Thank you. Actually, let's give the Lord a clap. It's worth a clap. And this theme of grace, this theme of grace has, has exploded, has, has overwhelmed, has drenched the followers of Jesus for centuries. Paul, that great apostle and theologian and writer, you know, he was the, he was the archetypal good boy. He was the Holy Joe before there was a Holy Joe. He was doing everything that the law required for salvation. And he was so confident of this that he said he was faultless. But suddenly he realized that that was not the way to salvation. That actually salvation is a gift we receive. It's something that is undeserved. That's, you know, grace means an undeserved gift. And the scripture says that. And Paul elaborates this as you read through Romans and, and Galatians and, and Paul's writing time and again. And I've got picked one of my favorites, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, through believing that Jesus is the answer to your need. It is by grace you have been saved. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. This Easter salvation, whether you've been a follower of Jesus and working in the trenches as I have for many years, or whether you're here for the first time and stumbled in thinking this was a wine warehouse. (laughs) Not knowing what you come to, the pay is just the same. It's eternal life. It's eternal life. Why do I work so hard? Why do we work so hard? Because it's the response of my love. It's a response, but it's not a way of earning God's love. My service of Christ is a response to his salvation. It's not earning salvation. Do you get it? Have you understood it? Do you realize what Jesus has done to you? You don't have to sweep your sins under the carpet. You don't have to be somebody you don't want to be or can't be. You can be, you can be real in Christ's presence because he takes thieves on crosses and Chris Lane. And treats them just the same. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. I've asked the worship team to 
to just come and finish, help us finish with a couple of songs. We usually just finish with one, but I wanted to wait to the worship sort of to the end of the service. I'm going to ask the team to come up now, and I, and I pray, just worship God with every fiber of your being because he's worthy of our praise. He has risen. He has broken out of the tomb. He's broken into our lives. And the Easter message is salvation for all. Salvation for all. Let's stand.